Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A Sunday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming your way live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process Rocket can. No, it's a downtime for the National Football League, but it's never really a downtime for the NFL. And there's one team I kind of want to focus in on here and one town I want to focus in on because our next guest can do both of that for us. He played tight end for the Dolphins back in the 80s and the 30-plus years since he's basically been part of the media, a mainstay down in Miami on both the radio and the TV side. Former Dolphin tight end Joe Rose joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. What do you know, Joe? Jody, how you doing, buddy? It's great to be with you, uh, especially when we're talking about the league that never sleeps. What a crazy <laughs> offseason this is going to be. And it's already gotten underway with a couple of quarterback trades, and I will ask you about your team and your quarterback and potential trades. But first things first, uh, the Dolphins make a major jump up in the standings this year. Much improvement. Flores doing a great job. You come up short, lose that last week to Buffalo and lose in a tiebreaker and not make the playoffs. What was the feeling around the team, around the town? Job pretty darn well done or, damn, we missed out on a big opportunity? You know, it's a a great question. I I think overall everybody's pretty excited to see what Brian Flores did in in the middle of this two-year rebuild with all these draft picks from last year and now this upcoming draft. But this guy is is really one heck of a coach. Structure, discipline, playing the right way, uh, not making mental mistakes. If we get beat, we get beat physically. And he got a lot of the guys that he really wanted to play with. It's a young team. So I think he overall is very excited. The only thing that always takes away from a Jody is when you get your butt kicked in the last game uh, against a very good Buffalo team on the road. Um, it just, it, it took away. I felt like it's really kind of stung a little bit South Florida, especially when you're up three, nothing after the first quarter and then just get pounded the rest of the game, the way they did and, and end up 10 and six. And the floodgates did kind of open up on them, but they did have a heck of a season. And as we noted at the top quarterback is always a key to anytime you have a good season. And you had one of the stranger situations at quarterback in the National Football League this past year. And I need to get to the bottom of it with a guy like you, who I know understands it, been there, done that, and around the team as much as you are. I'm a big Tua Tungabaloa fan, loved him at Alabama, thought the Dolphins got a break, that he dropped to them in the draft. The guy was a stone-cold winner at every level he's ever played at, but he's also a winner this year with the Dolphins. He played, the team won. 
but he never threw the ball more than five yards down the field. It just seemed that way, and it pretty damn close to being the exact fact. Was it that the offensive coordinator, the overall team, didn't have faith in Tua throwing it down the field? Was it that Tua didn't have faith in throwing it down the field in himself? Why was the offense, when Tua was on the field, completely right. different than the one when Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the field? Well, Jody, there's a combination of a lot of things. I, I did feel there was a different game plan when Tua Tungavailoa played. Uh, you're talking about a lot of safe throws. And when Ryan Fitzpatrick played, and he's a gunslinger and would throw it down the field and, and, and look for the big plays. And, and, and obviously, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is just – I'm guessing he's not going to be back with the Miami Dolphins. I, I can't say enough about – what what he was able to do, whether it was starting or coming in and, and cleaning up late in football games the way he played. But the Tua Tungabailoa thing, just to get back, hey, that that is the number one topic in South Florida. I know the Heat are playing. The Panthers have been a great story, one of the best records in the NHL. But, yeah, we're, 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 it's two things. So th- there's a feeling that Tua Tungabailoa, at least from the team right now, we're going to build around him. We're going to get him some more weapons. And we're going to go with this thing, maybe a little free agency uh, as well. And then there's the other one. If Deshaun Watson, listen, and this is for every team that that's not sure about their quarterback situation. If this Deshaun Watson thing, you guys are probably seeing it in Philadelphia and other markets right now, that if he's out there and you got a chance to get him, you got to listen and you got to throw out your best offer because you know what you're getting from a 25 year old quarterback that's already one of the best quarterbacks on one of the most dysfunctional teams that we have right now in the Houston uh, Texans football team. So I think that's where we are. This team's got to decide uh, between Brian Flores and Chris Greer, general manager, do we feel what, what's the, uh, the utmost upside? What can he be? What level can he get to? Can he get to a franchise-level quarterback, to a tongue of Iloa, or I think he'll get better, Jody. He's definitely going to get better. I agree with you. He, he's going to get better. But how high can he go? How, how many floors up the elevator can he make it uh, at, before we just hit where all half the teams right now in the NFL are looking for a quarterback to get to that level? And the unknown about this guy, that the team, that's why those guys get paid the big bucks to try to figure that one out. If the Deshaun Watson and then the other part of it, how expensive is it going to be? for all the teams going to make a run at Deshaun Watson and try to get them to, to be interested in their teams. And if this potential trade and this ugly divorce takes place in Houston, and that's kind of where we are right now, I, I think there's really a good chance it's going to be Tua Tungavailoa. Uh, and then the, we'll see if Deshaun Watson wants to come to Miami, uh, what kind of package can you put together? Is it enough for the Texans to be happy? former Dolphin turned uh, media member down in uh, Miami for the last several decades. Joe Rose, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, if they don't make the best offer, if Deshaun Watson ends up elsewhere or he ends up staying, he just doesn't end up in Miami with you guys, are they going to loosen the reins on Tua Tunga Valoa next year? Or are they going to go, all right, we took our, our our time and we built it up slowly and we made it easy for him. But year number two, he's got to hit the get ground running. Uh, is that a Chan Galley thing? Is that a Flores thing? Or is it a Tua thing? Does he have to walk in and go, you guys saw some of my highlight films from down in Miami when I was throwing the ball 35, 40 yards in the air. 
do the uh, the baby strings come off right at the top of next year if Tua's there as their quarterback? Jody, have to. Have to. If Tua is going to be the quarterback of the future, we we have to throw it down the field. I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't, at the end of some of the box scores and some of the games, have your longest pass play at 18 yards or 15 yards or 20 yards. It's just, it doesn't work in this league. It, ju- it just doesn't. It's, uh, you got to be able to let him throw the ball down the field. I'm guessing we're going to, we, our, our receivers, like a lot of plays, we're all banged up at the end of the year. And, and so we, we got to get more weapons, decide which guys you want to keep from last year. And I think they're going to get a guy in this trap. I think they're going to get a guy, maybe even with their first pick, if they decide to stick with that pick. But I expect them to take a wide receiver early in this draft. And, and maybe look for a veteran player as well that can upgrade this position and add more depth to it. But I got, I got to believe I'm with you. Two has got to come in from day one and they got to have confidence that he can throw it down the middle of the field. He can throw the out stuff. He can throw the corner routes, but we, we got, we got to make some 20, 30 and 40 yard throws down the field. We just can't play the, the dump. I mean, dumps are fine. Dump it off and, and that stuff. But I just don't think you can do a heavy dose of it. I'm with you. He's shown he's got accuracy. He, he got a lot uh, of experience playing when he did. And I think some people just need, think he needs a fresh start. Chan Gailey won't be the – he's gone as the offensive coordinator. So I'm really looking forward to, to finding out uh, what Tua can do if, if they stay with. And I, I keep saying if because they're going to be in a tough boat if the Texans make that call and say Deshaun Watson wants to play – but we need to see what you're offering. I think that's the only thing to really change how they feel about Tua Tungavailoa. But the team has come out after all these articles and keeps telling Tua, who's down here working out in South Florida, that you're the quarterback and we believe in you and we're not giving up after one year without having a camp, without having a chance to really learn the offense because of COVID-19. Everybody was limited, was tough on all the young guys to see what he can do. I think there's a lot more left in the kid. I think he's got a chance to be a good player. Can he be a great player, Jody? That's the big question. Understood. Uh, If they are determined to give him another major weapon and they use that number three pick in the draft on a wide receiver, there are two franchise-type changing wide receivers in this draft. Um, Which of the two do you believe the Dolphins' preference, <laughs> and uh, are they locked in stone on that? Oh man! So, do you like the brunette or do you like the blonde, man? <laughs> uh, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting <laughs> one. Uh, I tell you what, it's it's funny after the national championship game and the fact that Tua played uh, with one guy who just won the Heisman Trophy, and people are pretty crazy about him. And then I think recently. Everybody's seen what a lot of the scout guys are saying and the draft guys are all saying in their mock drafts, saying Jamar Chase is the guy you have to have. He's a bigger guy. He opted out. Obviously, he didn't play last year, but he was a special player on that real special LSU team that we saw win a national championship the year before Alabama. So do you like Devontae or do you like Jamar is really much what it, what it comes down to. Um, man, they both look like they can play. Jody, I don't know if you're scared off to the mock, the mock draft, or as I like to say, the Mel Kuyper Jr. Jr. in you. <laughs> I don't know how you feel uh, about a 170-pound wide receiver. I don't know if it scares you or not, but, boy, he is a special, special player. 
does not scare me, and I think that it's a uh, weak answer to try and explain. Or that's what this is all about. It's uh, point to the good things, but also point out the foibles. Yeah, somehow at 175, 170 pounds, he won the Heisman Trophy. So I know it's the NFL, and they are a little bit bigger and a little bit faster, but he's still young enough that he can get a little bit bigger. I'm a uh, huge fan of DeMonte Smith. I don't think he's oh, wrong with either one. Yeah, I, I agree, and he is he, he he did some special things, man. I mean, he, his releases, uh, his route running, coming out of his breaks, my God, he looks like he's ready to play. I, I'm with you. And uh, so it's kind of divided, getting back to how everybody in South Florida, you know, you, you got a chance to watch two years ago, Jamar Chase play a lot, and then the Heisman Trophy winner in the year that Smith had was just unbelievable. So uh, it seems to be pretty 50-50 on whichever guy. I think people will be pretty excited if, if they go with the receiver that high in the draft. No, your job as a tight end was to first catch the ball and then make sure you held on to it. Your squad down there in Miami this year was the best in the National Football League at being able to turn over the opposition. Number one, how do you go about doing something like that? Number two, should it be a concern to Dolphin fans? Because that's something that you just can't predict. You can't project. You accomplish it, but you can't, like, practice it up and say, we're going to get three turnovers this week. It's just impossible. How did the Dolphins do what they did? Can they do it again next year? Well, I just I look at what Brian Flores did his last year's defensive coordinator, and what he's been able to do with the New England Patriots, and now what he's done as head coach. And you know, a lot of creative blitzes. We blitzed a lot. We put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and he had trust in his two cornerbacks that they're going to be special. And and listen, Xavier Howard could easily been defensive player of the year he was that good with his 10 interceptions just fantastic but um it was one of the best years i've seen as as you mentioned for the takeaways by the miami dolphins defense they went man to man um and a lot and they just put pressure on you gave you a lot of different blitz looks uh i thought they disguised their blitzes really well and there was just a confidence with that group of guys that they were going to get a, a lot of takeaways, and they came up with them, and they were really good in the red zone defense. Uh, it was really, really fun to watch, making them kick. They made people kick a lot of field goals, and uh, getting all those takeaways was uh, was just really exciting. Just a new attitude and a real new confidence to this football team defensively last year, which was really the biggest piece of why this team won 10 games. We're talking to Joe Rose from WQME down in Miami, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, one more offensive question, then I do want to jump over and ask at least one question about your two other teams down there in Miami, the Heat and uh, the Marlins. An unorthodox way that the coaching staff will be put together this year, co-offensive coordinators. Yes, your offensive coordinator moved on, uh, and they didn't necessarily want to choose between the two guys that they had already on the staff to be the offensive corner. Is one more of a run guy, one more of a pass guy? Which of the two is going to make the decision? I'm the guy who can get to a tongue of a low and throw the ball down the field. Well, one, one guy's got a little bit of experience as a coordinator. Uh, he obviously likes both coaches. Uh, last year's running back coach and, and Gossie, of course, was the tight ends coach. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing 
when I heard about it, like everybody else after the senior bowl and the Dolphins coaching staff did coach one of the teams, uh, that was what he was going to do. Um, I had two thoughts. First of all, I'm guessing they're going to stick with a lot of the same offense. So the Tua Tungavailoa doesn't have to learn a brand new offense. I think they'll add some pieces onto it. They'll get Tua more comfortable talking about things we talked about before, plays he likes and feels comfortable throwing the ball down the field, down the hash marks to their big tight end, Mike Kosicki, and then the pieces on the outside. So uh, I think they'll stick with that. But the question, the, the, the big question is, they'll work on game plans together. Hey, best run plays, best pass plays each week. The big question is, and it's got to be for those two guys, and I'm guessing, I, I don't know if it's been decided. I'm, I'm guessing they've discussed it. And, and it's the big one. And l- let's be honest. Jody, everybody that puts a game plan together wants to be able to call the play. Call the plays, right. Absolutely. That's the thing. You want to be able, you got 20, 22 seconds left. You know, your quarterback's waiting for that play and a backup play, and you want to be that guy. You you want to be able to hit the home run with the call and, and catch defense in the right, you know, in the right look for you to have a chance to have success. So I I think and and that's going to be the interesting one, and then how both guys respond. Uh, to their role on the team, because I always wonder about this. When you got two guys, what what if one guy says, "Hey, I really like this," and you're going, "No, no, no, I, I thanks, thanks, but I, I like this play." They're not always going to be on the same page, so I'm just curious to see what this relationship is going to be like. Not so much, not so much during the week when they put their game plans and what do you like better in the run game and what do you like better in the pass game, but but calling plays under the heat of the of the uh, time clock to see how that all plays out down in distance, up and down the field. That's when it's going to get really interesting. will be interesting this upcoming season. Joe Rose, I guess, here on CBS Sports Radio. I do want to ask you at least one question about the two other squads in town. One is a team, well, both made the playoffs last year. One kind of came out of nowhere to go all the way to the NBA Finals. One came out of nowhere just to make the playoffs. The team that made the NBA Finals was the Heat. Uh, a lot of good young players would added Jimmy Butler to the mix. Just seemed to come together as a squad and weren't stopped till they ran into LeBron and AD in the final. Got off to a pretty slow start this year. No, they had right. some COVID issues. But even uh, before that, they were off to a bit of a slow start. But they've gotten pretty damn hot of late. I think they've won seven of their last eight. Was it COVID? Was it the fact that they played as late into last year's bubble season as it was? Why did the Heat get off to such a slow start, and why have they turned the corner now? Well, Jimmy Butler did have COVID-19, and, and it was he was out longer than the team thought. He's obviously the key piece, and it's not even close. He is the key piece from his leadership, offensively, defensively, getting guys involved playing the right way. Uh, we always talk about the heat culture, which means you play defense like you, like you, like you shoot threes. So they've really started to pick it up. Uh, Jimmy Butler's back. He'll <clears throat> be back after the All-Star game. And, and the Dragon, Goran Dragic, is such a big, big part of it. And he's been a really, really good player. So I expect with those guys back, um, they're going to be in the run for this thing question is how high as you know the the top of the eastern conference looks like three or four really good teams and then you got a bunch of teams fighting at 500 so the heat are going to have a really good chance to get that four spot um and honestly 
I don't know if those other teams, Philly's been a great story. And what Doc's been able to do is fantastic. The pieces they've added, a much better shooting team, uh, and really got those guys playing well. I mean, you talk about a coaching change at the right time. It really looked like it worked there. Milwaukee's starting to play better. Uh, and so I'm re- and Brooklyn, you know, I can't forget about Brooklyn in the big three. But I'll tell you what, man, you're going to play this Heat team. It's not going to be four and done in the playoffs. They're going to be they're going to be a tough out. They got a lot of confidence, and and let's see what happens. For all the teams going to be adding these buyout contracts for people, who's going to be able to get some of those key pieces there once uh, once we get down to getting rid of the disgruntled and and uh, and see what happens from there. All right, and uh, I do want to ask you about your baseball squad down there as well. I know baseball doesn't go over as well in Miami as no. one would think it would, but it just doesn't. It doesn't compare to the uh, Dolphins and not even the Heat. Um, but they did make the playoffs last year, and I know it was a COVID year with expanded playoffs, but it had been a while between drinks of water with the Marlins. If they get off to a fair start, will they, in a shrunken stadium because of uh, COVID restrictions, Will they be able to get some fannies in the seats down there in South Beach? No, they, I, uh, they, they, they got a long way to go to build this thing. Uh, it's just uh, Jeffrey Loria really, really destroyed before selling the team. <clears throat> really destroyed this team. I mean, he really did. One of the worst owners in the history of professional sports. We've had some bad ones, but he, he ain't taking a backseat to too many guys. Uh, so let's let's start with that, and I just think Derek Jeter and his group who have had to build up the the minor league system, and a low payroll still pisses off a lot of people down here in South Florida. Like you know, when, when you're really going to do it, and, and it doesn't help. Look what the National League East did: new yeah. ownership, and look at the money the Mets spent. You get Dave Dombrowski now in the National League East. Dave ain't coming in on on a cheap payroll. Dave's there to like whatever it takes to win. He doesn't want to hear about. Uh, about caps of any kind. If, if you know Dave Dombrowski and the history of Dave Dombrowski, I happen to think it's really good at what he does. Yep. And then the Atlanta Braves, as good as they are. I mean, it's tough. And Washington, I didn't bring, I didn't bring up Washington. The National League East, if you don't mind me saying, is going to be a bitch. I mean, it is going to be tough to win uh, in the National League East. So for the Marlins, the key for this team is that young, talented pitching staff. They got four guys under the age of, 25, 26, that were all ERAs in the three in the limited season last year. They need those guys to just be lights out this year, to have well, a chance. And they are uh, up against it in the National League East. But I've said this Ooh. on the air. I, I think the whole division could be at 500 or above, which uh, it just makes it more difficult for everybody else because they all beat up on each other a little bit. But the Marlins and the Phillies could finish fifth and be 81 and 81. That's how good it could happen. I, by the way, I, I, agree, I agree with you. But I'll tell you what, there's going to be nights where you're going, my God, who, look at you, who you have to face. I mean, everybody's got horses that you're going to have to face on certain nights. Uh, the, the one and two starters in the National League East with the bats and the amount of money spent on stars. Um, <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch and see. I, I think National League East, and I had Don Mattingly on last week, and and Don said, hey, I know where everybody's got us picked, and, and I get it, but uh, there's a confidence here that we picked up from last year in the, in the limited season. We believe we can be really good, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. So, Joe, last one, a confirmation uh, on something you said earlier. You said 
if Tua stays as the quarterback, they don't get Deshaun Watson, and Tua's the guy they're going forward with. They will throw the more ball downfield more this upcoming year because they have to. Will that be because the coaching staff decides that's what they're going to do or because Tua decides, hey, if I'm going to be the franchise quarterback here, I have to do it, and he chooses reads down the field more so than he did this past year? So I believe that Brian Flores, start with Brian Flores, wants to see more of a Ryan Fitzpatrick passing game down the field. I mean, you got to be able to run it. I know they've been preaching this offseason uh, in meetings. we got to be able to run the ball. That's going to help a lot and, and get that fixed. This young offensive line, a year older. But we got to throw it down the field. you got to have big plays. You, you, you just do. you you got to have big plays. He knows it and everybody else. It is hard to go in the National Football League, 14 plays and 85 yards for a touchdown. You can do a little bit of it, but it's hard to have a heavy dose of it. You need those big plays. I'm buying into the Kansas City Chiefs way of uh, of doing things. I just think we're going to see more and more passing. You look at the final four quarterbacks, happen to be four of the best passing quarterbacks in the league in the, in the AFC and NFC championship games. Uh, I think uh, the, the coach has seen enough to understand uh, it's not just about running the football. you got to have big plays. From our Miami outlet uh, down there on South Beach, WQAM, Joe Rose. Good enough to give us a couple minutes of his time and insight today. Joe, thank you much. We will be in touch. Cody, always great. Great Stay being s- with you, man. Thank you so much. Always love talking football with you, buddy. Thank you. My, my pleasure. We will do it again. Joe Rose here with All us right, man. Thank you. on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack, hanging with you. Get the telephone lines restoked when I get back. 855-212-4227. Jay Mack here with you on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.